0: This conversation is super powerful. Christine was so amazing and willing to let me go into really hard conversations with her or what many people would claim to be difficult or hard topics that she just dove right in with me. We're talking about spiritual bypassing, about inclusion, diversity, intergenerational trauma, white privilege and privilege in general, the dangers of commercialism and generating popularity, and how it's okay for us to be hurt and to be triggered, and really how we need to show up with more compassion for one another. Christine Gutierrez is awesome. You can find more about her at christineg.tv if you're looking to find her. She is a licensed therapist, a spiritual healer, and someone who is determined to be a voice for those who may not have one. Stay tuned to get to know her so much better. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe... We're here to thrive, so let's get going. Christine, thank you so much for being on Here to Thrive.
1: I'm so grateful and excited and pumped to be here.
0: I feel like when I connected with you, you have such a centered and grounded vibe and I could really tell right from the word go that your heart is in the right place and the work you're doing in this world is very spiritually grounded. Can we talk a little bit more about what you do in the world now and the journey you
1: came on to get to the place you are today? Sure. I am clinically trained as a licensed therapist. And what I do is I combine what I call ancient wisdom, which ranges everything from meditation, breath work, tantra, priestess work uh, with modern grounded therapy and spirituality. And so I work mostly with women of ages, usually around 20 to 50s, but um, there really is no age cap. Uh, Sometimes I work with younger women, older women, and I have a really strong interest in working with marginalized communities and at-risk communities and women of color. And so what I do is I, I guide people back home to themselves and I help hold space for their shadows, for their trauma, for their pains, whatever trauma they've gone through, whether that's verbal abuse, emotional, mental, and or even something like body image issues, which Oftentimes isn't seen as the traditional sense of the word trauma, but anything that has brought a woman to violate her sense of self. do you think
0: as women especially that we often do go against ourselves?
1: Yeah, I think you know even broader to be honest, like people human beings in general, I think that we are. We violate ourselves maybe because we weren't taught how to love ourselves. The models in our life perhaps weren't healthy enough or capable enough to give us that healthy modeling, or perhaps we just, maybe it's just our nature, right? Like as human beings to need to figure things out, right? Like we have to make mistakes. We have to learn. And so I think part of that means we violate ourselves some more than others. And some come along with mental health illness or addictions that make you really act against the self and act against that part of you that wants to thrive, right? That part of you that wants to be alive and to not only just live our basic needs, but to really excel. And so I find that we do it in small ways and in bigger ways. And I'm constantly peeling back the layers in my own life and in other women's lives, because that's the demographic that I work with on how we can become aware of where are we abandoning ourselves
0: such Ugh. a good way to put it and with the women how do you really help people go on this journey what are the the tactics or the tools that you employ most of all
1: yeah it's it's oftentimes you know it's a it's a journey and what i like to tell people is that I see it as like I am this spiritual archaeologist that's like digging up remnants of bones from their past and uncovering things that perhaps they've forgotten or pushed to the side because they were too much to deal with. And being able to explore is one of the first techniques is the curiosity of the journey, right? Just looking through those gates of our mind and our heart and seeing what do we have locked inside? What have we ignored? What have we pushed beneath the surface, because it was too much to bear, perhaps, or we didn't know how to handle it. So we put it to the side. And so the curiosity is a huge piece and being able to ask those questions and perhaps ask questions that people didn't have the space to explore in a safe way, or didn't have someone there that cared enough to ask that or didn't know. And so the curiosity piece is massive. And I think the other thing is really giving the client permission to see what would they desire and what does it mean to be healthy. Sometimes a lot of the work that I do is this is what healthy looks like. This is what it means to love yourself. Um, This is what it means to not abandon yourself. So for me, the opposite of of abandoning yourself is coming back home to yourself, to your true self with a capital S. And so that is the primary uh, tools that I use to guide people. You refer to the self a lot. Would you put that in the same basket as our soul selves? Yeah, so I, I think of it as the little self, the small self that is that self that is not connected to your higher self, this the, the self that knows all, that is connected with the quote unquote more or the divine. And the capital S self, I consider that the soul self which is connected to who you truly are meant to be, that sense of knowing that you are worthy, that you are loved, that you are safe. But the reality is, is that we have a human experience and we have fears and we have an ego and we have the healthy ego. And we need to know that there's some situations where you're in where you're not safe. And so the capital S self, right, the soul self, That self knows that there's something beyond you, that even if you've gone through the worst things in your life, that there's something beyond you that is always stable, always good. And we have to work our way to get there in a really grounded way. And and oftentimes, you know, it's hard to balance that right without spiritually bypassing like your real life experience of what you've gone through. For myself, I went through uh, verbal abuse and And that, for me, really broke down my concept of self. I didn't know what good or wrong was because everything was a bigger deal than what it was, right? So it was like, uh, I describe it as growing up in a house of funny mirrors where you look into a mirror and you're like, oh, I look this completely distorted way than I'm supposed to look, right? There is no normal when, um, a child goes through abuse. And so in that it's tapping into that divine self that is always perfect. That is untouched, but acknowledging the human experience at the same time, right? Like your real, the smaller self, the self that's like the human self, That I think oftentimes gets a bad rap in spirituality, but it's like, it's all part of it. We are human beings. And so uh, being able to hold both at the same time and honor both experiences and the higher self, the, the smaller self are both valid and sacred and divine.
0: I agree. I think it's really important to
1: acknowledge our humanness and
0: that we are all here having a human experience. You used the phrase just then, spiritual bypassing. Can we talk a little bit more about what that means? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it.
1: So I cannot fucking stand when People spiritually bypass things. And what spiritually bypassing means to me is when you use a spiritual terminology in an attempt to bypass a real human experience that psychologically is happening to someone. So for example, if someone says, I'm really upset about this person calling me this name, or, you know, I I can use an actual real life example that happens. I would love one. Yeah. So that it can be really relatable. I was on Facebook and um, uh, people were, there was a woman that posted uh, something like, I'm looking for your next level inspirations so that I can interview them for my podcast. So I love when people ask questions because I think we have so much content and information in our, in our community. So I was like, awesome. And I saw that some people had tagged me as their next level inspiration. I was so humbled and like grateful, like there's no better feeling than being tagged on something like that. Right. So immediately I was happy and joyful and excited. And then the woman responded, thanks for tagging your friend, but I'm looking for your next level inspirations. And you know, some of the people that were there, I maybe met once at a business event, but uh, most of them were not what I would call like my friends' friends. And even if, right, let's say they were, were, which they weren't at that level of my friends, they were more colleagues that, you know, peer colleagues. And even if they were, who's to say that someone can't be your next level inspiration that is your friend? Most of my friends are my next level inspirations in many ways. I posted a very vulnerable kind of post on a Facebook Live and shared my feelings on that and and the ignorance in that statement and my pain around that. And some most people were so understanding, validating, and they were curious, right? And then there were a few who were spiritually bypassing. And what they would say is, well, maybe there's something that this person is teaching you that you know, needs to bring up something for you, right? And now in certain situations there that that's helpful, right? Like you can ask someone, what's the lesson? But if someone comes to me and says, you know, this person fucking really hurt me and that was really disrespectful, it's not always you attracted this person. They're your mirror. No, she is not my mirror. She is not my mirror. She is not someone that I attracted it's life. And I think that a lot of times, you know, with these concepts of the law of attraction and they minimize these perspectives and these frameworks by applying it to everything, which is psychologically dangerous. When someone is under attack by someone or someone does something again, that was out of line because she has her own stuff, right? That's not an opportunity for you to use a spiritual concept and disregard my human feelings. And so a lot of times um, in the spiritual community, you'll see people do that and just brush things off. And as a therapist, I know firsthand that the number one thing that you want to do is validate someone and understand that you can't minimize someone's experience to a a spiritual concept that isn't accurate. It just isn't accurate. A lot of times you attract assholes or people that are not well because you are really bright light. And they're looking for something that they need from you. Not that you're attracting them because that's something in them is in you. <laughs> right. you know? um, so, yeah, it's really sick and twisted. And, you know, it's really something that people need to start speaking on because you can't have people that are really in a vulnerable state looking for help, applying these principles and then blaming themselves for everything. It's really dangerous. I've definitely seen it too, where I feel like spirituality
0: can be used as almost like this surface level band-aid that's not willing to actually get to what I would say is true spirituality, to go to that level of depth. And you use the word curious, like to be curious, to understand rather than to just surface level. Can we just keep the water calm kind of attitude?
1: Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Imagine someone sharing their heart and sharing their pain, and someone saying she's a mirror. <laughs> it's know, so it, minimizing, it? isn't it? I, I hate you. So, it's so minimizing, and it's not true. That's the thing. You know, if there was truth to that, there, there, there isn't truth to that. You know, unfortunately, these concepts are very broad, and it's not to say that your subconscious doesn't attract things, or there's not. You know, you can get into a whole conversation about that. I'm not denying that. Obviously, in psychology, we know that, that we replicate patterns and and that there's lessons and everything. And I'm not even saying that we can't eventually arrive at understanding what can we learn from this. I personally choose to learn from every experience that happens in my life, but at an appropriate time and in a healthy way. And that means owning my feelings, knowing what's right and wrong for me, having boundaries and not bypassing every experience by putting a label that makes someone feel comfortable. Right. A lot of what you, you know, what you described as it's people's lack of comfortability with facing difficult conversations. I definitely
0: want to talk about that. And one of the reasons I really wanted to bring Christine on the show is to talk about the lack of inclusivity in What I would frame as the self-help world, many of you may not be aware, but a few months ago, one of the big self-help leaders posted a, uh, she was doing a campaign and she missed the mark and in terms of diversity, it was really offensive and that I think has created a little bit of a conversation in the self-help world or it started one I'd love to know your thoughts about diversity and the space that we both work in because I know it's something you hold dear
1: yeah you know first and foremost I love all people and I think that it's important for us to understand like, why are we speaking about the things that we're speaking about and what is the end goal in all that we're doing, right? For me, when people, again, spiritually bypass something like racism or lack of diversity by saying, you know, we want oneness, right? I want oneness too. And until we're actually seen as one, we can't have true oneness, right? Which brings me to the second point. For example, I don't think personally, right, that Danielle Laporte is a racist. I think that she seems to be, right? This is an assumption and and what it, close friends of mine are close friends with her. And um, it seems to be that she's a really artsy person. She chose an image that she thought was like artsy and she missed the mark because of the image that she chose. That is a lack of awareness, right? There's two things at hand. It brought to the surface things that a lot of people were feeling for a long time. For me, I think that Daniela Laporte's situation was one of many where there's actual racist people in the world. She was just a symbol for something that was looming because people were ready to speak on it. I felt weird when I saw the image. I didn't think, oh, Daniela Laporte's a racist. Or, you know, I thought this is is strange. Again, I'm not Black. I am Latina. I'm a white passing Latina, light-skinned. And you know, that all comes into play with how different things trigger us in rightfully so, right? We all have different backgrounds and experiences. And this particular image was really offensive. And so when people, enough people say something, you kind of have to say, well, made a minute, maybe there was something offensive about it, right? So that stimulated a lot of conversation. What I will say is that we live in a place where we pride ourselves in the United States of America on being a place that's diverse, and and we are. We are diverse of language and colors and ages and nationalities. And so what we want is to be able to be seen and heard and valued just as someone else, right? I personally have felt that. There were two separate issues that I mentioned, which were some were related to race and how you sound and what you look like, right? And others were related to spiritual elitism, like being in the cool crowd and then asking myself questions of what makes that be a cool crowd. And if you're teaching spirituality, right? We're not teaching something else. We're talking about unity and oneness and true healing. Then how can we say that this is a space of love and true healing if we are spiritual elitists? who only allow in a certain kind of person and make them feel Mm. accepted. So like if we were selling cars, I'm not saying it's right. I think that we should have diversity and equality and, and respect for every single human being. Right. But I'm saying especially so if you call yourself a healer and I just don't consider many of the people in this community, true healers. And one of the things that I've been mindful of as well is being careful of my language in both ways. You know, I have a lot of mentors and friends that are white as well and being able to share my anger and hold it, but also navigating what, what feels best for me in terms of speaking up on this. Right. And everyone has a different approach that's going to make them feel good. And I think that right now we're in a sensitive time and it's kind of like, uh, it's, generational trauma. So it's like if someone was sharing their experience with being raped, we wouldn't expect them to hold back their rage, right? So we need safe spaces for people to explore and express their pure, raw rage. And that's where a lot of the terms like white tears and all these things have come from, because people felt as though they weren't able to hold that in those spaces. And to be honest, I feel like it's probably not going to be able to happen in that way. I think that that's why women of color needs to come together and like gather together and just share the rage as appropriate. And for the people and white women or whoever you are that feel uncomfortable with that, because there's black and Spanish women that are comfortable with that rage too. Right. It doesn't feel good, especially when you feel like it's coming at you when you didn't do anything. Right. And I think that that's the hard part of that as well. But for me, you know, it's, it's a tricky conversation. And I think that needs to be said that people have the right to, Claim that this is difficult. this is a difficult conversation it 's not easy and we 're all learning, but I felt that I was left out of spaces not only because of me, my race, I also felt that it was also because of like that cool girl crowd of spiritual elitism and needing to be signed or needing to be have this 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 to be able to be respected and so i don 't like that you know i don 't like either of the things and or being like the token, something we're only being hired because like, you know, I have my master's, I have put in over 10 years of work, you know, I've done so many trainings. And so for me, that was the other thing that with that particular example that we gave with the woman that said that on Facebook who I did end up speaking with and it was, you know, difficult for her to understand. She was trying to, but it was really hard. Because for her, next level inspiration literally just meant like not us. Again, it was not only race. It, I I think that in her mind, she wasn't even thinking about it as a race thing. I, I truly believe that it was for her, she was thinking of it as outside of my sphere, someone that's cooler, better, bigger more numbers. And again, that's really dangerous. Like it's okay to understand that numbers play a role when you get signed with a book deal. We we care. We're, I'm in both worlds. You know, I have my feet on the ground. I care about growing my following. I celebrated when I got my 10,000 followers like we're in both worlds, but it's to say to not just choose based on that or to love people or see people based on that. And
0: I think it's an interesting world that we're living in today because There is this almost element of fame seems to idolize. And I do see it in this spiritual self-help community that we're both in. It's the same thing. It's the Instagrams. It's the Facebooks. It's the how many likes have you got? How big are you? Do, Do Are you valuable yet? And I get it. I feel it too that it's just value isn't necessarily reflected by numbers
1: yet we live in this weird society that values that absolutely and think that you know what ended up happening is that a lot of people also started to notice that we don't want to claim that we're in the spiritual world and be doing these things that are really not kind, right? Like forget about that word spirituality that are just not kind and we're not perfect. And so we're always learning, but can we be real about how we've all messed up? Like I shared that the truth and the raw real deal experience was that as a Latina woman growing up, born and raised raised in Brooklyn, having education, having parents that had education as well, because they were born here as well, right? Like uh, my parents were not born in Puerto Rico. My grandparents were on both sides. And having that experience, I identified as Latina. I grew up in a neighborhood that was primarily Latino. And I was, I had many privileges being born here and also looking the way I do. There's many different kinds of privileges, but I started quickly understanding that white was more respected in certain ways, like a white culture and media and images of, you know, these people getting called like this spiritual rock star and like all these things, like where I saw the real, you know, the the healers that were out there like doing the heavy lifting and like maybe not knowing that world as well. And I think a lot of that has to do with it. Like that for me and for a lot of the people that, were people that I looked up to they just didn't care about being seen in that way because they were too busy doing the work in real life and so like social media or taking pictures like I didn't take videos of my retreat for like six years not because I was trying to be like humble because I literally was so present and I thought that it might ruin the experience of that because my spiritual elders had taught me like, be careful what you share about how, how deep your medicine goes. Like you can share about it, but like, don't tell them everything. Don't take pictures of everything. Be mindful of, you know, just like warnings, a lot of warnings. And it was the complete opposite of what I would say, like the white kind of quote unquote marketing was right. And again, we can even say that it's commercialism and, and what they've paint it. Like I I think it's, there's many different layers to it. It's not just race, but race is one of them that we're speaking about today and commercialism and, and the pressure for people to, to make something, make money right away and not taking into account what we're really here to do. And maybe that pressure hit us all. I know it hit me. I know that I was giving into a lot of like this marketing advice and like how to do this and how to do that. And the social media and, and then forgetting some of the cultural things that really mattered to me. And then Feeling like I was like selling out in terms of like having to make a brand sound a certain way, look a certain way, in order for media to to take a chunk out of it. it. It
0: was it's a lot. I have so been there as well. Like I feel like at the start of my business, and I'm still prey to it sometimes today. I've been in business by myself for three years, and I'm not one of those six figure coach or and. At times, that's made me feel less than. And then I have to come back to my center, my reason for being and why I am doing this. And it's not about a number on a piece of paper for me. It is about impact and the way that I hopefully can touch other people's hearts. Yet, we live in this really loud world that is... And this is in all spheres of our lives. We live in a really noisy world that is always out there, ready to
1: knock us off our center. Absolutely, and I think that when you, when we start to look at how have like, how have I partaken in this which has caused negative impact? Right, like at what cost have I chosen to do certain things that because I I didn't know better? Right, and. How can I learn from them? You know, have I used marketing in a way to focus more on sales over the people that I really know need it? Again, like we're not all meant to help people that have gone through domestic violence or poor, like we all people need support. And that's why we have so many people in the world to help many different kinds. But I think that, that if I have more, I've always been taught to give more to those who have less. That's just how I was brought up. And for me, I don't think everyone's going to get that. But I do believe that if you are in this field, it is your responsibility as an ethical leader to get that. And to do research on that and to understand that if you have more, you have to give to those that have less in some way, shape or form that needs to be part of your service to the world and being aware about conversations that are happening in the world and and knowing, you know, maybe your brand is going to attract mostly white women because you're white. Right. And like, is that wrong? No. Is it wrong that we all are born with a certain privilege we have? No, we can't help what we were born into. Right. But we can acknowledge the things that we know and say, how can I do better, right? How can I do better, how can I help? Yeah, how can I do better? I love that and that's certainly one of the
0: reasons why I wanna open up these conversations because I don't wanna be blind to my own ignorance. And you spoke a little bit, uh, there's a few concepts I wanna talk about more with you, I'm so excited. You spoke about the concept of curiosity and being curious to ourselves that often, and we all do it, you, you admitted that you've done it, that we do things when we don't know better and that there are all these different kinds of privilege. I want to talk about white privilege and specifically about how white women may not even know what that means and why it might be scary and I'm happy to answer questions around this too because obviously I'm a white woman who grew up with that white privilege and I feel like there are a lot of white women out there that don't know what they don't know around this
1: yeah I think that you know what my my partner is a Latino male and he's always like You're more Malcolm X, I'm more Martin Luther King (laughs) because he's so much more. You know, I can be a little bit out there and like really sharing my my heart, my pain and really speaking for those that are really marginalized and standing up for those that sound really aggressive. And like I may not like I don't resonate necessarily with doing that, but I understand where it's coming from and I hold space for that. We don't know what someone's going through. Right. I just think we need safe spaces to do that. I feel like all healing happens in a process. So maybe a lot of what we're seeing is like this emergence, right? Of this like awareness with our presidency, regardless of who you voted for to say, it's a fact that by Trump being president, he's, he's shown us a more divided externally nation, but we were always this way in many ways. It's just, these things have happened worse. Like, in terms of where we are now, things have gotten better than the past, right? But we only know this world. So I I tell people, yes, there's been progress, but I want to focus on where is there not progress so I can heal that. Because one of the things that my partner had shared with me was saying, you know, there's white privilege and there are many other privileges. And I think that we need to be mindful of including all the privileges. and, And yes, sharing about white privilege But also keeping into consideration, even me as a Latina, I have white privilege because I look white, (laughs) you know, and because I'm skinny and because I'm pretty and because I am educated and because I grew up here in New York, there are certain privileges that we have. So what I like to say is think of it like you're not a bad person for having privilege. You're not wrong. But in the acceptance of the awareness, uh, in the acceptance of knowing that I am aware that I have privilege and white privilege being one of them, we can just own what is true, right? Like there's certain things that just get us in certain places because we look a certain way. Like if you go to a club and it's a really fancy club, back in the day, I used to go a lot. There was so much of that ego there of privilege of how you looked. And maybe if you were really tall, And like a supermodel and you were black or Latina was fine, but like the average girl was going to get in more likely if they looked a certain way. So that was a certain type of privilege, right? So in this space, if you are a woman of color or light skin or black, just understanding all the privileges that we have, I think helps to lower the defenses that we might have to hearing something like this and being curious about every privilege that we have you know, I get free things sometimes. I'm like, I think sometimes guys give me free things because I'm pretty. I have to own that. Because that imagine you're not aesthetically what someone would, would would deem pretty and what is pretty, right? What are these standards based on? And so all of these things are what I like to just dig into and and be curious about again, like that keyword curiosity, like what, what have I been able to get because of privilege? What, what can I do with that privilege? Right? Like if I if my voice is gonna be able to be more seen and heard, if I if they're using me as this, like, you know, oh, she's like an approachable Latina, like a media brand, let's say, you know, she looks kind of white or whatever the case is, and she looks this way and she looks that way. You know, I felt that way. That feels that feels really bad to feel that way. And then at the same time, my perspective was always like, well, you know what? I don't like this. This has to change and what am I going to do with that privilege? What am I going to do with that opportunity so I can help elevate the voices and the conversations that need to be had so people can hear? And then we have this like, Afro-Latina movement and all these movements that are happening, I really think because we're realizing, I don't want there to be this space where we don't acknowledge why people are more valued and respected. Like, let's let's break those barriers and connect heart to heart. And the only way we can do that is if we can get past what, what is coming up for us when we see someone, you know? I grew up in uh, Bushwick, which when it was not gentrified and when it was a tougher neighborhood, my dad is a NYPD cop. And I know firsthand how much my dad loved to help, but I also know how they could be really racist, (laughs) you know? Um, And not all of them, and not because they thought it was bad. And that's why it's so complex. It's like they thought that they were that they were just like, oh no, we're, we're just protecting. Like, it's just, it's a fact, right? Like this, these are based on facts. And as we, we, we can start looking at statistics and start seeing, like, there are reasons why things are happening. And like, if there's certain low, you know, socioeconomic neighborhoods that require more policing, how can we develop better relationships with our police officers? How can we develop more practices in place for respect, right? How can we, show different sorts of media that are not just highlighting crime by Black and Latinos, but also like the successes. And I think slowly things are changing, but we need to keep our eyes peeled of how we can better represent things and how we can change the things that are happening for poor people, for Black and Latino people, for Indians and Asians, or, you know, Asians, for example, uh, make more on average, I believe. Yeah, no, I read the same research. Than white people. So, you know, there's certain things that we're looking at and we're understanding, holy shit, there's all these layers to it. Like, what does that mean that the Black Lives Matter doesn't matter? No, it just means that we can't just look one way. We have to say, what is it about this that is true? And how can I be of service to the parts that resonate? Meaning there are people that are racist. There are systems in place that keep certain uh, demographics down. And how can we change and, and give it a better shot, give people a better shot at things? How can we give resources to people instead of just, you know, feeling like we need to save people? How can we really empower people in, a, in, a, in an honest and true way? But for me, it boils down to just being curious around what privilege do I have? What privileges do I have? And what has been lo- looking light skin given me? I, I know that in certain places I've been respected more because I'm light skinned. Even in Puerto Rico, you know, even in places where there is, you know, self-hatred and self-internalized racism. And I've always said, like, wow, I'm lucky that I was born this way because I don't know what it would have felt like to be a black woman having this experience because there's so much more prejudice and, and racism to people that look a certain way or even people that are poor, right? And so I'm constantly thinking about those things. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know the full right or yes. And we don't know what stats are relevant. And and then even with the stats, we have to ask ourselves, how did those stats come into place, right? Like if there's more black people in prisons, can we ask ourselves why? what culturally has happened, what's been the history of those people. So it's really about being curious and and saying, how can I help? I think that's really what it boils down to, realizing where we are in a position to help those that can't and owning that even if someone is angry or mad, you may not be able to hold space for it because it's scary for you or difficult. But seeing it as you know, if your great-grandfather was a slave and you see something that resembles it, there might be deeper triggers there that we can understand. Gosh, I so
0: hear you. What I really like, there's a couple of points that I think have really hit me in this conversation. And you mentioned about the importance of lowering our defenses. And I really think that is part of it, being willing to listen and be open to the idea that maybe we should be curious maybe we should be searching out these conversations and wanting to know more rather than keeping those defenses up i really love that idea of lowering our defenses and the other one you said is if i do have privilege which we all have you know like you mentioned there's all different types of privilege how can i use my privilege how can i use this privilege and what can i do with it I love that point. Yeah.
1: Because like, think about it. If you have more education than someone, don't you want to like, and I'm not saying us thinking that we're better than someone, right. But coming in saying like, how can we help each other? Right. And, and also the other thing, not assuming that our way is owning that people that other people are, have something to teach us is part of helping others, right? Like the biggest thing is, you know, when you're going into a neighborhood, for example, like that idea of like me coming in to save a community is not helpful. How can I ask the people that are here and empowering them to hear their voices and know that they're valuable, they're smart, they're capable. Like, what do you need? Like, how can I learn from you? And being willing to learn from others, I think is a huge way to eliminate defenses is saying, I I trust that my way is not the only way and that especially when we're dealing with different cultures, right? When I co- When I go to a different country, I don't assume that my culture is better. I assume that we are different and we can learn from each other's differences. And so I go in there assuming that they're the expert of their space, right? <laughs> because it's their land and it's their people. And so I go in humble and I think that we've lost a lot of that. And we need to bring that back again and say, you know, how can we really become truly understanding of each other? And, you know, eventually, yes, I I want, I want us to be able to heal this wound. I know I have a lot of pain with white people. I know that I have a lot of pain with the feeling of feeling like I have to be a certain way in order to be accepted or like people being less qualified than me and getting ahead in certain ways because of what, their perceived value is right and what those things are based on and and really battling those things and I think that if we come at it like that like there's real people that really have we're just hurting you know like let's just bring the compassion back
0: I want to talk about this idea of intergenerational pain because I was talking about it the other day With some people and that I do get frustrated myself with white people sometimes and that they don't understand that this is intergenerational pain that has now been well no I wouldn't even say now which we are we're perhaps seeing on the surface because that is part of the healing can we talk about this concept of intergenerational pain
1: yeah I think that if you think about it like If you've had addiction and abuse in your family from generation to generation, those people that then parent raise their kids in a certain way, or maybe they were then, you know, went to a foster home or then were in a different system and they lack certain self-esteem, which led them to not believing in themselves, which led them to not getting as good of a job or hanging around with not as good people. Right. And There's a ripple effect of what that trauma causes from generation to generation that lives within us. And they're now doing research on how things are actually stored in ourselves, in our memories, that things can be passed down. And so when we have these different kind of traumas, whether it be abuse, right, Uh, physical abuse in the family or abuse between races, that stays in us and lives throughout us with not only emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, but also in actual systems in our, in our life. Right. And so that pain comes out on both parties, right? It's not that that white person today is, you know, in some cases they are, but in most cases, let's just say they're not the the, you know, the, we all have different prejudices, but they're not the outward like racist, right? That they're not specifically hating a person because of their race. But, but because of those little feelings that often go untouched and unheard, or like the uncomfortability, it's like an elephant in the room and all these different types of things that come up when someone actually starts to notice something and feel something, let's say a black person or a Latino person, there's, they, they walk in and they feel that that trauma right of that experience of knowing that they don't feel accepted that they don't feel respected that they've actually maybe not been respected because of their nationality or race and and then someone else saying well you know but I didn't do that no you didn't but can we have compassion right like it's like if someone comes into a relationship and they've gone through trauma and that person's a man they might have trauma with men right so Because maybe they were molested when they were younger by an older man. So maybe when they're around an older man in a room, they feel uncomfortable. Does that person have to work through their own trauma? Yeah, they do. But they also get to have the space to say, this makes me feel uncomfortable. And if a person is like usually compassionate, they would know that it's not about them, but also it is. And say, I see you, I hear you, and I'm sorry that someone that looked like me did that. Like I'm not gonna do that to you, but it's safe to say that we work that way. And so we have the right to feel triggered and to feel hurt and to say, my experience matters, but also to say, Yes, I'm healing myself, but can you help? Can you be understanding? Can you know that these things have happened to me and that they can be really painful? I, I've spoken to some other leaders in the in this kind of community that are black, that have black kids, and they're like, I'm scared to let my kid go to the store because because of the way he looked. And maybe it is fitting a certain demographic, maybe someone that looked like him did something, but like the treatment of any person, there needs to be more respect. And especially when we know that there's certain biases that come out and certain prejudices that come out, like how we speak to people, we should respect all people. You know, my mom grew up in the project, she grew up with mostly black and Latino people. And my mom, looks super white and sounds it even and whatever that means, right? But she does. She is a kind of person that's like, you know what? I respect all people. I don't care if you're missing teeth or you're ghetto. I respect you. And I think that we've lost that and we judge so much. We judge and we need less judgment and really listening to people's wisdom and being mindful of the fact that generational trauma exists just like any kind of generational trauma exists. So being
0: mindful of that. I so hear you. I don't know if we've if we've had it in recent generations, you know, that that willingness to see people for who they are and you just mentioned several times and it, it hit me in the heart that word compassion, let's just show up and have compassion for people. Because when there is intergenerational trauma, like you mentioned, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of anger, and you're allowed to feel that way. And if, if people can just show up with compassion, I think that would change the world right there.
1: Absolutely. And look, it's not easy. I've talked to some of my white mentors and they're like, but I can't, like, I can't have someone be like, shut the fuck up, you white bitch. Like, I just can't have someone speak to me like that because it's abusive and I can't take that. Right. So I do feel like there's radicals on any side of any topic. Right. And don't let the voices of some of, of an expression of some pain that come out to a person that maybe doesn't deserve it because they're going through some massive, spiritual, emotional healing take you away from the issue that still needs healing, right? Like, don't let something stop you from healing something that needs healing because an approach to doing something doesn't take it away. It's like the same thing with, like, children at the border or, like, you know, that are... Don't let the way someone says something take away the fact that these kids need people to help them. They're alone, they're scared, they're away from their parents. Like, that's what should matter. And and that's what I like to focus on is like if there is someone that's being treated this way or treating less than or being called names in school and you know whether it's because you have a physical disability or you're a color skin or you sound a certain way can we do our best to protect those people and put rules in place that help those people both on a legislative legal level on an administrative school level on a company level can we put things in place to protect all people
0: I think you made a really important point there when you were talking about that there are radicals on every side. And I would love to make sure that we highlight that just because you encounter one person and one person's whatever expression of anything, it doesn't mean that a whole race or a whole grouping of people feel that exact same way. We need to stay open.
1: Absolutely. And what I like to think is like, they're expressing a part of my anger that I'm not comfortable expressing publicly. You know, like sometimes I think to myself, like on a raw primal level, this is what I feel put into words. And so I honor that person's anger, but that's not my particular role in this play, this Lila of life. But I like to honor all of it because I think that it's all coming, it's all, it's all coming up to be healed. Let's focus on the bigger issue. You know, let's not get bogged down by the, the the things that happen. When you have any movement, there's some crazy shit that goes down, and who knows what we need or what we don't need to make change happen. I think that a lot of the angry people really made the change happen because people were like, "We can't like." They're not going to let me not deal with this. What I would hate, though, is for people to do things only out of fear and not true understanding. Like, I don't want people changing the names of their business, hiring lawyers to do things and just doing things because they're scared to not be like, diverse. I would really care for people to just be like, I'm just going to be more mindful of like using my privilege as best as I can. All the privileges that I have, helping those that need it and being more mindful of caring about all people and, and seeing how I've been judgmental based on race, based on how someone looks, based on how many followers someone has and just being more loving to all people. I think that's a really good place to
0: end because I think that's it. If we can all lower the defenses, as you mentioned, look at ourselves and seek to be curious, we've got so much still to learn.
1: Absolutely. I've learned so much from this process. I'm learning so much. I have a, a free video uh, series with different women of color and people that share our views, some people that don't, but we just wanted to elevate these voices and these conversations, just like you're doing here so that we can have curiosity. And so that we can know in the end, what we really want is just to be heard. We all just want to be heard. We want to, we want to know that our experience matters, that these things matter, that we're loved, that we're appreciated, that we're valued, that, that our work is valued, that our, you know, that we're paid, that we can be valued in all the ways and, and we want to help all those that need it.
0: Where can our listeners find those videos, Christine, and where can they find you?
1: So it won't be out yet, but if they want, they can go to elevatevoices.com. And my website is christineg.tv, And that's uh, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-G.tv. So if you were to leave us with one thought today to close out, what would it be? To always remember to come home to yourself, to that truth that lives within you, to that space of wholeness, of oneness, of true oneness that says, I don't need to ignore things to have oneness. I don't need to bypass things to have oneness. I need to look at where there's suffering to have oneness. I need to look at what's hurting to have oneness. I need to look at the shadows to have oneness. And, As a spiritual student, as a curious being, I'm committed to looking at all of the things in order to have true oneness and equality.
0: I hope you appreciated that super meaningful and honest conversation. I really appreciated Christine's willingness to answer the hard questions and to share her perspective. The idea that we all have privilege and we actually have a responsibility to use that privilege is one that resonated with me really strongly after this conversation. What are you doing with your privilege? How can you use that to make a difference? She mentioned her website that will be live sometime later this year, Elevate voices.com so if you're listening a little bit later by all means go and check that out but if you want to stay informed head to christine TV. you can also find her at christine gutierrez on instagram she's great on instagram i hope this gives you food for thought i hope this opens your eyes up a little bit more to a broader sense of what it means to show up with compassion, and embrace diversity. I don't doubt it will give you more than a week's worth of things to think about. So I'm going to leave it there this week. Consider, act, do good, and keep thriving, beautiful people. Keep thriving.